Are we live? Is it working? Is this thing on? Grace, peace, and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. I am Nick Milkey, and I am flying solo this evening. I am trying something new. Um, we have been talking, Steve and I, for a while now about the next steps of our podcast, the next things we want to try and do with this podcast, and one of the directions we really want to go is with some live shows, maybe all live shows. I have to definitely throw a shout out to my friends at the Beyond the Blast Doors Network for the inspiration. They have gone to a five night a week live show format. If you're not familiar with that, I encourage you to check them out. They're fantastic. There's something every night of the week for whatever Star Wars interest you might have. And they definitely gave me some inspiration and watching what they're doing gives me the desire to help our show be better and learn from what they're doing. So I'm here on a Sunday night and I'm hanging out and I have a fun guest. I'm excited to bring on and talk to in just a second. Um, Steve is not with me tonight. Steve had a meeting. He had something that came up for work, so he was unable to join me. And I said, well, I can wait. And he said, no, no, go for it. So we are here. We are taking our best shot at it. And without wasting any more time, I want to bring in my good friend, Luke Lucas. That really is his name. The first time I ever heard it, I wasn't so sure, but um, he's one of my favorite people in the world. I have known Luke for a long, long time. Um, back when he was still in college, when I was in college, we got to know each other and we have been friends for a long time. Luke works in communications. He does graphic design. He does a lot of cool stuff like that. He has an awesome wife. He has awesome kids. And Luke is a awesome purveyor of all things pop culture, especially Star Wars, Doctor Who, Star Trek, music. Anytime I want to know things about music, Luke's the go-to guy. So I don't want to waste any more time talking about the awesome Luke Lucas. I'm going to bring in my good friend, Luke Lucas. Oh, and I caught him right there. Oh, look at that. He gave us the dramatic right. intro. <laughs> Big dramatic fireworks. Hey, that's it. That's it. That's me. What's up, buddy? Hi. Not much. Um, I, I always, I, I do tend to forget that my name is Luke Lucas. And considering <laughs> the fandom, I this is a Lord of the Rings podcast, right? This, this Lord the, of the yeah, Rings. Yeah, you you may have gotten lost somewhere. Oh, I got lost. <laughs> Awkward. Uh, that's right. Uh, Awkward. Um, yeah, considering the name, it, it's always, always <laughs> forget. it's like yeah, I've got that weird like uh, double, and my parents swear up and down. Nothing to do with it at all, but it's, it's right. stuck. But there it's you stuck. are. And it's awesome. The first time I heard your name, somebody was like, oh, yeah, Luke Lucas. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And I need to mm -hmm. clarify. Say that again, Luke Lucas. That's really his name. Like it was one of those probably like people are like Milky. Your name's really Milky. Come on now. <laughs> um, except Luke Lucas is way cooler than Milky. So, um, well, at the top of the show, uh, first of all, thank you for being willing to join me. And yeah, as I joked, to be a minute ago off camera. Uh, you are my guinea pig as we start to navigate the waters of some live shows. And when we spoke on the phone earlier this afternoon for our guests, um, Luke is in a little bit of a unique situation in that he is currently working through a COVID, a positive COVID test. Yay. So without a lot of extra things to do, quarantined inside his own home away from his wife and lovely children, I said, hey, why don't you come hang out with me virtually and talk Star Wars tonight? So we're glad that you're feeling well. We're glad that it doesn't seem to be anything too serious. But I also know that you're going to be ready for this time to be over and get back out into navigating the house and the rest of the world. Yes, the house would be a good start. <laughs> 
Absolutely would be a good start. Oh, I see we've also got some friends in our live chat right now. And I'm going to shout out to our friends, Framie. Frank and Amy actually live up in Huntsville. Um, and I met them through the Beyond the Blast Doors network. And they actually asked in the live chat, what is Luke's middle name? So I know this and I don't know if I'm allowed to share this, but my good friend Luke is Henry uh, Franklin Lucas. <laughs> and that's an awesome name. And I know your dad, who the third. That's right. Henry Franklin Lucas, the third. Um, but Luke Lucas is just as cool a name. And so thanks to Framie for being here. I see Mr. Rez. I see Matthew joining us in the chat. Thank y'all so much for being here, for hanging out. I hope you will enjoy this tonight. Um, what I would like to do to start out is just for you, you know, give me kind of a quick rundown of your origins with Star Wars. How did you, you know, was it something, I know your dad's kind of a sci-fi guy. How did you get connected up to Star Wars? That's basically where it came from. It was a direct line from him. Um, and it was just a thing that always existed in our house. Um, my dad typically does much more hard sci-fi. Um, our shelves, the bookshelves in my parents' house are just lined with essentially just forests worth of, um, of books that are, are hard sci-fi. I mean, we're talking like, like, Dune is probably the easiest, like it is like, <laughs> like as far as hard sci-fi and it just gets crazier from there. Um, so obviously that interest kind of came down to me. He knew that Star Wars was going to be a thing and uh, to introduce his, his children to, and it has always been a presence um, in our house. And it was, um, you know, I'd, We've had, I, I don't have it here, but like I have an old uh, original VHS trilogy, original trilogy um, that is um, despecialized mm -hmm. for lack of anything else to say about it. It is completely original um, that we've held on to for ages and ages and ages. Um, and, and as so well, you should. And if you ever get rid of it, you need to call me. Nope, not going anywhere. <laughs> That's um, right. And I've, 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 I've managed to get that into my, my kids. I've managed to get my wife um, involved. Um, it wasn't too hard, but I've, as we'll talk about later, I've really been able to kind of reel and rope her in to um, some of the maybe, I mean, you could say it. It's not so main, not quite as mainstream as the movies or as Mandalorian, um, you know. Clone Wars, Rebels. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. We'll talk about that later. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's a really, um, and that's that's where we are. Like, it's just, it is imbued. It's, uh, I mean, call it destiny, call it whatever. My name is Lucas. <laughs> it just worked out like that. It, it was meant to be. Well, and I love what you said. And this is kind of the answer that I have given in the times that I've been asked that question as well. I was born in 1978 and Star Wars came out in 77. So there has always been Star Wars as long as I've been alive in some form or fashion. I was, you know, Empire was right after I was born, but I was old enough to remember Jedi. I went and saw that at the drive-in movie theater in my parents' station wagon when it came out. But there has never been a time when I haven't had Star Wars. And so for people of yours and I's age to grow up with it that way and to, and to have it come from a parent, you know, I think that's also something that's really special to have that bond and that thing that you can be yeah. conversing in. And I'm sure even now with something new like Mandalorian, your dad, y'all probably talk on, did you see that? What the heck was that? What was this thing? Oh, um, my dad has, 
my dad has done that. And we also, you know, I've talked about this a bunch too, but my mom doesn't, you know, she's been aware of star Wars cause she's had me her whole life, but like she's watched all of Mandalorian and for Christmas, she wanted her own baby Yoda. And so now like it's another way in for somebody who wasn't as, like you said, mainstream yeah. or plugged into all of it. And I'll, I'll give a shout out to your beautiful wife, Jackie as well. There have been plenty of times when, over the years when a new movie has come out and y'all are going to a premiere and there's Luke and Jackie and awesome star Wars t-shirts like themed up, ready to go. Like if you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. And Jackie Lucas is going to yeah. make sure you do it right. And I love that Absolutely. about y'all. Yeah, and we, so I um, think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's been, I mean, obviously all the COVID stuff is it's sucked. Like just in general has sucked. Like, you know, we can't go to the movies. Like we, that's our thing. Like we love mm -hmm. going to the theater. Like that is, that is our date night. We don't go to fancy dinners. We don't go, we don't just, it's movies. And so on the one hand it sucked, but on the other hand, it's really good that a new star Wars movie wasn't planning to come out any point because right. I'm, I'm not sure I could have handled that devastation at all. Um, and she is, she is a hundred percent on board. Um, mm -hmm. If, if you know Enneagram, at all my wife is a two um she is a two top to bottom and so if she's gonna do it she's going to go full on and go full full for it um and she is full on board with shirts and we go opening night um a little bit more difficult the old gotten um, <laughs> which is you know no. And now you're reaching the point too, where your kids are of the age when it's opening night. It's not so much where's the babysitter, but they want to go too. Like they're knowing, hey, they get to do a fun. Why don't we get to go to that one? Well, we're going to go. Then you can come to the next one. We we have to pre-screen it. Yeah, that's right. We got to make sure everything's okay. Well, well. Yeah. Speaking of people monitoring, I'm looking at the chat, and I'm going to throw this up here also real quick. Um, we have oh, all the boy. answers. My, mom, mom's in the chat, so we have to watch our mouth tonight, Luke. But that's what I get for um, tweeting about sh it. Shout out to Eleanor. I'm so glad that she's checking us out to see what we're up to. Sweet Eleanor's hanging out with us as well. But I just wanted you to make sure you knew to say all the right things since mom's this watching. Is, this is probably her way of making sure that I'm not dead from COVID yet. <laughs> that's right. She's checking in. You're doing what you're supposed to. So good job. <laughs> we got it. Um, well, I appreciate you sharing that. And like I said, I, we have a similar story in that way with our dads and growing up with Star Wars over a long period of time. Um, I think, you know, like me, you've been as excited to see, especially with Mandalorian, the new things that we're getting because of Mandalorian. And what I wanted to do tonight is uh, usually when Steve and I do our recap shows every mm -hmm. Friday, um, which has also been a challenge for us with material because now that the Mandalorian's over, I'm going, what am I supposed to do on Friday? I, I want to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we're going to do, normally we do five questions that he and I both answer about that week's episode. I'm going to give you our five questions. We're going to go through them and what I want you to do. And it's kind of up to you for each question, how you want to phrase it. Um, you can do it for this season or you can do it for both seasons. Just kind of take each question and, you know, see how it hits you. Um, you know, right off the bat, they're not super complicated questions. But our first question, the one we always start with is, what is your favorite part? You know, what is your favorite part either of this season or what has been your favorite thing over these first two seasons of Mandalorian? Um, you're going to notice a theme uh, with, I think, a number of my answers tonight. And so I think there are two things in particular, one from each season that have been 
favorites. Um, first was when the dark saber showed up at the end of season one. I about jumped over the couch when uh, Moth <laughs> Gideon came out out of the wreckage with the dark saber, and um, Jackie's just like, "What are you? What's <laughs> what's the big deal?" What's the big deal? And I was like, well, hang on. We're going to watch this whole other cartoon series now. Um, <laughs> I'm about to show you, hang I'm on. I'm about to show you. Just give me six seasons and we'll get there. Um, um, and then for season two, it was Ahsoka. Um, knowing that she'd been cast, that she was showing up, um, uh, there was nothing... It, there was nothing that was going to top that at all for season two. Like that was the high point in a season full of a ton of high points. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, Ahsoka was definitively my high point of, uh, that was, there's just, yeah. Ahsoka, Ahsoka, I, Ahsoka, Ahsoka. No, I, I agree with you. And I've said this a million times and I'm not going to answer all the questions tonight because I've done that a bunch of times. I want to hear your answers. But Ahsoka for me is that character that I love so much that I never knew I would love as much as I do. Like mm -hmm. I say all the time, Clone Wars is something that I came to late. Like I didn't watch it when it was on. I really used Clone Wars as a reference book when I was watching Rebels and they would talk about certain things and I'd go look up, where's that from? And then I'd end up watching like a three or four episode arc with the Darksaber or with Duchess Satine or, you know, these other things along the way. And then eventually I've seen it all. And then with the way it wrapped up back in January or whenever it was, now I'm ready to go back and rewatch all of Clone Wars, you know, top to bottom and, you know, dig even deeper because I like it more. But at the beginning of it, Ahsoka, annoyed me and that young, you know, the way that was, but especially that arc that she has and where I really grew to love her was in rebels because rebels is something that I just love more than I can express sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so for her to be manifested in Mandalorian, you know, was just, it was an amazing gift. And so I couldn't agree with you more about how much of a favorite thing that is. Yeah. That, um, yeah, and, and and she was such a surprise just from from start to finish because I don't know, like you go in, and this is kind of like the the blessing and the curse of Star Wars is that you go in and you have your favorites already, regardless, and you have your archetypes um, that you know you're going to latch onto. And the funny thing with Clone Wars is that you've got you've got Obi Wan, where's my hand? Obi Wan and Anakin. <laughs> both there already. Like you've got your two, you've also got Yoda. You've got all the other things that are completely familiar that should be easy. Now I can see my hands. There you go. Uh, now, now we can get your hands in there. Um, that are built in to be good ways to kind of slide yourself in to be like, I'm, I'm in the show now. Um, and then here's this other weird alien looking lady person, teenager <laughs> that is mm -hmm. that, just she just sneaks up on you and you wind up she winds up becoming one of the best star wars characters ever created um absolutely and you know as i'll reference this again a lot probably jackie was so on board with ahsoka like the minute we mm -hmm. finished uh no i think in the middle of our rebels uh, watch mm -hmm. she found some book on amazon prime and just just like in three days, read the whole thing. Um, 
I don't remember the title. I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> is it is it the Ahsoka book? It's just the Ahsoka novel. I think so. Like it's it's like available for free on Amazon Prime Library okay. or something. Like that. Yeah, and she yeah. Mm-hmm. ripped through it, and which was just like it made me so happy because it's like, oh my god, you you're, you're not just doing <laughs> this to, to the make next me level. Happy. You're not just like That's right. We've gone know. to the next level. We're leveling up here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. Um, well. That's a fantastic favorite, both of those, Darksaber. And again, Darksaber was one of those things that, you know, I had enough knowledge of it, even through the arc of Darksaber in Rebels. Mm -hmm. And then to go back to learn more about the history, to see it in Clone Wars. And then when that, you know, that, what a way to end a season at the end of season one. And like you said, you about jumped over the couch, ran around the room. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because Gus Fring, the chicken man from Breaking Bad, showed up. It was because <laughs> of what he had in his hand, which was even yep. more cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are excellent favorites. Well, our second question that we always go to is, you know, to, to all of the sunshine, a little bit of rain may fall. Um, what is your least favorite thing or what is something that did not sit as well with you throughout either of the seasons or overall? You know, that's really tough. Because I have the problem with consuming pop culture that unless I hate something, I have a really hard time finding things that I don't enjoy. So, like, I, you know that I will nitpick something to death. But, like, yeah, yeah. I, there wasn't a whole lot that I really felt like nitpicking too much. That said, if there was one thing that I would quantify as a disappointment or maybe a missed opportunity um this may come off weird i was a little disappointed at luke skywalker showing up at the end of season two. Ooh, tell me more i you know in the grand scheme of it all it makes perfect sense like i cannot argue that it's like i mean of course, it's it is he is a completely obvious choice for what's going to happen here, and the way they set it up was amazing, and it looked incredible, and and all the things. But, um, I <laughs> I had this little small tickle in the back of my head that wondered, what if, what if Ezra shows up? Mm-hmm. Like, what if? What if like Filoni just goes like crazy and somehow brings Kanan out? What if? I mean, <laughs> you know, it, and, and like not even like Mace Windu. Like that, I thought like Mace Windu might be kind of cool to show up, but like, I, it's yeah, it's it seemed like a far a farther reach to get to Mace than it was some yeah. of those other people you mentioned. But as Jackie Riley pointed out, like it was, it would have been a really big reach. You know, what makes the Darksaber cool is two things. One, you've got the built in, just like, holy crap, look at that thing. It's, it's a black dark saber, black lightsaber. And it looks like nothing you've ever seen on screen before, um, at least not in live action Star Wars. But then the second layer is that it's this entirely built in thing for like, the fans who've been in it for the long haul, like outside of just the movie canon, who are, you know, excited about it for that reason. So the difference with having Luke show up at the end of season two is that if you bring in an Ezra, 
people who have no idea who Ezra is, who really have no idea who, who Kanan is, or maybe had a vague recollection of Mace Windu, would just be like, who's, who's that? Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing really inherently just looking, looking at the top of it really, really cool. Right. Um, but I would have, I would have lost it just like for the dark saber, <laughs> but like, it would have been that moment of Jackie turning to me and being like, who's that dude? You know, <laughs> or, or my kids, you know, probably even worse off my kids saying, I don't. <laughs> Who, what, Who, who's this nerd? Um, well, and I think, and framing makes this good point and it's exactly where you were. They said, we weren't part of the viewer community that was waiting for Luke or even wanting Luke, but we were very happy to see him though, because it worked out for the story. And that's exactly kind of what I hear you saying as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was with you and we spent, you know, time on our show in the run up to, you know, those last episodes trying to figure out who was it going to be? We know once we got the Ahsoka episode and the Jedi and she says, put him on top of the stone. Somebody may reach out to him through the force. That was off to the races for who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Um, you know, I was on the Ezra boat for a minute. Because obviously we knew through the Ahsoka episode, she's looking for Thrawn. The last we see Thrawn, he was with Ezra. You know, that was a strong, and I think what we're getting in some of the news even lately is that that's going to maybe be the main thrust of the Ahsoka series is this search for Ezra kind of the wrap up to rebels that we thought would be animated is going to likely be live action, which has stirred some people up this week a little bit. Um, But, you know, I was also, I thought, Two other things. I thought, obviously, I thought Ezra could be a possibility. The other possibility that I threw out there was that I thought it could have been Ahsoka after she said, I can't train him, kind of being struck, reflecting on Anakin and what happened with Anakin and saying, no, I want to come back. And so she circles back around. That left some problems for her series. So if she goes with him, then does Ahsoka series become Ahsoka and Grogu series? Yeah. There's issues there. But like you, I didn't want Luke. I wasn't expecting Luke. I'm thrilled with how it turned out. I really am not upset about any of it, but it also makes the most sense. We know from the timeline, what he was doing at that time is he was looking for other Jedi. He was about to start an Academy in theory. I mean, in practice, it does make the most sense that he would be the one that they came across. So, and I also wanted to circle back to what you said at the beginning about, you know, unless something is just really truly horrible or garbage or problematic, I'm like you, like I want to pop positivity into it, you know, and I wish they didn't, you know, the one everybody uses all the time is I wish that they had called it a holocron, not a wayfinder and rise of Skywalker. But at the same time, am I really going to lose my beans about that? Because it doesn't matter. And your other point was good too, is the explaining part of it. Um, bringing in the people who aren't as deep canon as we are that haven't spent as much time with it. Um, and I thought the same thing if I had, I think my nitpick for the Ahsoka episode was actually that Ahsoka just showed up. Of course I was ecstatic and knew exactly who she was, but my dad had no idea who Ahsoka, who the Jedi girl with the white lightsabers, you know, who that person. And I was like, but there's such a story here. I need you to hear. I need you. Yeah. I need you to know what I know about Ahsoka. Well, uh, and even then it's, it's even different for her. Cause like she can't just show up with her two lightsabers and just the way that she is, it'd be striking on her own. Mm-hmm. You have Ezra show up and it's just, it's a dude. It's a whole it's different a, thing. That's exactly he's, right. He's just a dude with a lightsaber. And it's like, it's that's all right. Cool. Mm. 
Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this then. Our third question that we usually get to is what for you, I'd say, obviously, through the two, the whole, the two, the whole thing, both seasons, um, what has been the pivotal plot point for you in this first couple of seasons that we've gotten? What has been that one big pivotal moment that really drives the plot? That's tough um, because obviously the plot is starting to shift now um, to to some degree. And so you kind of have to go through two different, maybe two different pivot points, which is uh, first is Boba Fett showing up in Mm -hmm. that and all the things that that entails, you know, that, you know, maybe wrap it wrap up Bo-Katan in that as well and everything that's going to happen with Mandalore and the Darksaber and all of that like that was huge and and um really well done I thought um and the other one is it has to be Grogu on the stone and if there's one thing that I will always love Dave Filoni for it is his willingness to really get into the weeds with force stuff <laughs> yes like absolutely bring it on Every last bit of it, like, you know, uh, I appreciate him dancing around the word metachlorian, you know, using the word MCOUT. Well done. Not a normal history that's been established. Um, but like, I have not, like, the, the what is this thing? He's going to sit on the stone. It's going to light up. It's going to go crazy because Filoni just thought this might be kind of cool. Let's add this bit of mythology to it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is massive and opens up a whole new other, like, level of, I don't know who knows where else that's going to go from here. Yeah. And I think it also, and I, I would be willing to bet the dollars that I have in my pocket that in a conversation that he had with George Lucas at some point, all those years that he apprenticed with George Lucas, something came up about a temple or a stone or, you know, and we see shades of that with Luke on Octo and last Jedi that stone that he sits on as a way to channel and focus. He puts Ray on it. He sits on it there at the end. But like, I guarantee you that was some sort of George Lucas conversation point because Filoni was the Lucas acolyte. Like he trained at his feet and with him and he got that deep, deep knowledge. And just like you said, his willingness to get into it with that kind of stuff makes me think automatically of the world between worlds and those episodes of just, you know, Mortis is one thing, but World Between Worlds becomes a whole other, you know. So it, it's, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, it just opens up so many other avenues, story connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mortis is, I, I, and I had actually completely forgotten that when they go to the World Between Worlds, that Mortis is tied back in with mm-hmm. getting in there. Like, so when we were watching rebels and it gets to that point, I was like, Oh, they're back. Yes. I forgot <laughs> that this is like how they get in there. Um, yeah. Like I just, Dave Filoni is just incredible. Like I, I just, and, and his, his willingness and also, also let's be honest, Disney's willingness to kind of give him free reign over that sort of stuff. Right. To just say, we're trusting you to make this work. And so far it's all worked pretty well. Um, and I wonder, uh, I would almost wonder, is there willingness to let him just kind of go? I wonder how closely that's tied to him being linked with John Favreau, John Favreau being the name, the known more known quantity, 
to, yeah, we could let this guy go, you know, completely deep on a Tolkien level, deep force, you know, as deep and complicated as you can get. I see what you um, did there. That's right. But we also know that we, if we connect him up with John Favreau, who's a fan, Favreau is going to kind of help be that stabilizing voice to go. I totally see where you're going and I'm with you. But what if we do this to keep it accessible for somebody who's not as that, you know, deep into the, the mysticism and the depth of all the different aspects of it. And I think too, I mean, we could sing that sing Dave Filoni's praises all night long and I was on a couple of weeks ago with my friend Pete and he kind of posed the question of is Dave Filoni the one who can or will fix. He kind of talked about the sequel trilogy and the issues that people have with it. I think the bigger question there is not that any of it needs to be fixed because I don't think Star Wars is broken. I think that people sometimes need to get over themselves when they get too upset about Star Wars. But what Dave Filoni actually does have the ability to do is be the glue that makes it one big Star Wars, not a prequel trilogy and an original trilogy and a sequel trilogy. Because I wasn't a se- I wasn't a prequel trilogy fan for a long time, and I kind of disavowed them for a long time because they were new and weird and didn't feel like Star Wars. But like you said, a little thing like saying M count, we all knew what he meant, but it normalized it into a general scientific term for something that all of us thought was ridiculous in the prequels, the midichlorians. What do you mean? He took a big razor and pretended like his blood had a certain amount of force beads in it or whatever. And that's what Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni has. It's a face scrub with extra force beads. Um, but he has the ability using that knowledge that he got from George Lucas, from knowing George Lucas's original intent to be able to say, here's how all these things go together and we can have all of it and not have to be upset about any of it. Yeah. I'm like, I am as, as much as a number of things in rise of Skywalker, Skywalker was a little weird. And like, I, you know, I'm, you know, this, there's may as well just get out of the way. Like I'm an unabashed massive fan of uh, last Jedi. Just, Yes, sir. Top to bottom. Like I am, I make no excuses for it. Cheers Um, to that. And, and I still can enjoy, um, the last Skywalker as well. And, and what I would love to see if at some point, if there are stories that Floody can like pull in between those two to somehow, because it does make me sad that so much of the fan base is seemingly fractured between those two things mm-hmm. and i wonder if at some point filoni will be tasked with can you figure out a way to fix that right like where can you find the pieces that can tie together so that whenever we release something new we're not 50 50 on people automatically hating it or loving it like everybody can just agree like it feels like even like five or six years ago is that far enough i don't know mm-hmm Everybody was excited. It didn't matter what it was. Everybody was super excited about what was coming out for, for like new Star Wars. And then now it's like everything that gets announced, it feels like you have to tread lightly going into articles that you want to read because the only perspective folks want to give you is whether how awful it is or it's going to be 
or how awesome mm-hmm. it is or how, you know, it's, it's, it's a book. And yeah. And I, and I think, you know, obviously our social media culture doesn't do us any favors when it comes to that kind of thing. But I also think too, some little things along the way and kind of along that thought that I had or that we had talking the other week about Filoni's role, what Dave Filoni did with Luke showing up at the end of Mandalorian created a way to help some of the people that were super upset that what they got in last Jedi was Luke meditating on a rock. He w- he didn't do anything. And of course, like you, I love the meta aspects of Last Jedi and him saying, oh, what am I supposed to do? Come out with a laser sword and face down the whole First Order? It doesn't work that way. And the downfall of the Jedi and all these things that he talked to Ray about. And then, of course, he does come out as that force projection with a laser sword and faces down the First Order. Ta-da. But he did it strategically and he did it with thought. And so there were so many people afterwards that complained, that's not my Luke Skywalker. That's not who Luke Skywalker was a hero. He was a this, he was a that. So we get hero Luke Skywalker 30 years before, five years after Return of the Jedi, when we get him in Mandalorian and he comes in there and he smokes all those dark troopers and he goes down. I mean, he pulls a you know, we, he does. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen those clips that they parallel that with the fight in Rogue One. Yeah. Um, again, brilliant connecting points, but even having, okay, in Mandalorian, Dave Filoni gave us some badass Luke Skywalker that we didn't get or we thought we were entitled to in Rise of Skywalker or Last Jedi or wherever we thought we got it. Um, and so you're like, oh, yeah, we that Luke did exist, but that Luke also went through some stuff. He trained and lost his nephew. He, you know, it makes perfect sense why he ends up closed off, you know, on Octo, closed off from the force, all those kinds of things. So I think that, you know, we set, we see those little things that Filoni can do along the way. And especially in conjunction with Favreau, who knows how to make it work and look good and fit, you know, that, I mean, that dynamic duo, let them do all of it. I'm so on board for that. (laughs) Give them what they need. Give them what they need. Um, Well, our fourth question that we always love to come to. And this one's fun. And there's so many. So this is like a, a pick your favorite child kind of moment. Uh, what has been your favorite Easter egg throughout the two seasons of Mandalorian? So this is where you I go deep cut or, or you don't, or you don't. Um, so um, Ahsoka's bird showing up. Mm-hmm. You have to pardon me. Like I'm horrible with names. Maori. Um, um, Calvert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Calvert? No, um, it's showing up just like as an over the shoulder, like it's a it's that sh- mm. shot going down here, and you just kind of see it up on a branch. Um, that was incredible. I love how that continues to kind of like be a thing, um, and, and really well done. Um, it looked like an owl, um, mm-hmm. not, not quite as cute, which was a shame. <laughs> um, loved that. Um, Oh God! I love the crate dragon. Um, I don't know, really know if it's so much an Easter egg. Obviously, it was a massive part of the that episode where the dragon shows up. Um, but the fact that it's you know the the second they started talking about it, I immediately knew. Oh, it's the bones from A New Hope. It's, it's that bones. giant, exactly. the giant bones from A New Hope. That is an incredible way to bring that back in um, mm-hmm. and and explain what that was um, and show like what it is in real, in, in real life. Um, I thought that was really well done. 
Um, other Easter eggs. This is the terrible thing. I, I immediately go on like the next day and start looking like what what is everything I missed? Because I will invariably miss a thousand things. It's like watching WandaVision last night. Um, it's just like, I'm like, I know I missed a hundred things. I have to go find all the Easter eggs and be like, yep, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> um, the canteen. Yes. Yes. The, uh, yeah. Um, I, uh, so tell me what, what were some of your favorite Easter eggs? Uh, well, the one that I feel like I harped on all the time and Steve knew it and saw it coming from a mile away was in the first season when we got the live action, realization of the troop transport the troop transport yeah which is a toy that was created in the 70s late 70s early 80s when the original vintage toys were out that wasn't in a movie it was just a toy kind of like the little mini rigs that were made like there was once kenner took off and those toy lines took off they started just making other stuff that would fit in the universe would be there and the troop transport was that I just loved it. I had it as a kid. I've got it again now. And it was just one of those weird, and then it showed up in rebels. And so we got the troop transport and rebels and we're like, Holy crap, there's that thing that, you know, they turned it into something that was a to- only a toy had never been realized in lot in real life. And then in the first season of Mandalorian, when they're about to have the showdown with Gideon and they're in the bar, or the tavern or whatever it was, when that thing came rolling in there and skidded to a halt, it was kind of like you were dark saber. Like I jumped out of my chair. I was so excited to see that troop transport. And then we got it more this season with the chase and the speeder bikes and all that. So the troop transport was a big one for me. Um, there's gosh, there's a million different things. I love Bubba's Bubba's rocket. Bubba's rocket on his back. Yes. Like Bubba's rocket. Bend over. The way he bent over at the waist. Exactly. Cause that's how we played with it as kids is you bent it over at the waist and it, you know, it didn't shoot because those got pulled off the shelves. <laughs> um, but so yeah, the, the Bubba Fett rocket thing. Um, I really loved the statue of IG 11 in the courtyard when they go back in season two and, you know, kind of like an episode of Little House on the Prairie, the bar had been turned into a schoolhouse. You mm-hmm. Did you not catch this one? I didn't um, know. Right, right as they're walking with grief and they're about to go into that schoolhouse, if you look to the left, there's a courtyard right there and there's a statue of IG-11 as a homage, homage to his sacrifice. You're going to have to go find it. It's fantastic. Yep. Yep. Um, so that kind of stuff. Just again, there's more than that was always every time we did an episode of our show and Steve would ask me, what's your favorite Easter egg? I'd tell him one and then I'd tell him like five more (laughs) because what I love about Filoni and Favreau and the way they do this show is they think about that stuff and they put Mm -hmm. those things in and it's sure you can call it fan service if you want to. That doesn't have to be a bad thing, but like it's so good. that it It doesn't pull focus away from the show. You're like, oh, that's that thing. Or salacious B crumb roasting on a spit when he walks through the town or, you know, all those little things that is just, that's, you know, that's exit. That's the crazy thing about fan service is that, but why not? Mm-hmm. Like, like have fun with it. It's, it's really hard in something like star Wars to, to say there's too much fan service. It's like, but that's kind of the point to, to many different degrees. It's, it's, you know, I am, there's always a way to grow an audience for something. Absolutely. That said, 
I always wonder, like, how much bigger can the audience for Star Wars be? Like, how much work do they really have to do anymore? Uh, they've if reeled in my mom. They've got at least one more. <laughs> I mean, it's not that difficult. So at some point, you have to say, well, we'll call it fan service, but then just enjoy it. I mean, it's Absolutely. just they're, they're playing with all the toys in the box, and it's not a bad thing. Exactly. That's exactly the best um, description of it. Filoni and Favreau with their toys going, hey, here's an episode. Here's another episode. There was also uh, Loth Cats. They're not technically yes. Loth Cats. I don't Loth all, but it was that's okay. Loth Cat that Same up. thing. Um, well, here's a couple more um, from the live chat. Um, Matthew said, Mark Hamill is the voice of the bartender <laughs> in the cantina scene. Yes. With Goro Calican when he comes in. And again, such a great callback to, you know, when he first, when the cantina first shows up for us, your droids aren't welcome here. Now he comes back all these years later and it's being run by droids. You know, we all knew that. We're like, wait, there's a droid bartender. Um, so that one's great. Here's another one um, from Framey. was great to see R5. Yeah. R5 rolls up. And the intention, and when you, did you watch the gallery episodes mm -hmm. afterwards? Yeah. And when they talked about like, yeah, it's an R5 droid. And you're like, no, no, go paint the thing on the back <laughs> where the motivator exploded. So that it was clear to people like us watching it being like, yeah, yeah, that's R5. Like, that yep. was another great Easter egg. And then the other favorite that I thought of, just seeing all these ones in the chat that they threw in there. Um, I love one of my all-time favorite television shows is Deadwood. And so to have Timothy yeah. Oliphant as Cobb Vanth, that was fantastic in, in itself. What was even better is that Weequay bartender in that tavern on whatever the town was called. I forget now. Um that bartender, the actor that played that bartender was the barkeep in Deadwood, W. Earl Brown. He wasn't, um, oh, what's the elsewhere engine, the main guy? It wasn't him. It was his yeah. right-hand man. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that, again, they knew those shows well enough to be like, yeah, let's get that guy to be the barkeep with the guy who was the marshal, who was the marshal. Well, and the story behind them filming that is also insane. Like, it wasn't it? like super like season one, like they did it in yes, the season one. Early. It's just like, Holy crap. What? Exactly. They were so on top of all of it. So we could go on Easter eggs all night long, but I'm not going to keep us stuck there for too long. Um, the last question that we normally do is, and of course, a lot of times when it's based on an episode is what is the thing that you want to see or know more about based on what you've just seen or based on seeing these last two seasons? I mean, obviously Ahsoka is going to be an easy answer for you. You want much more Ahsoka. We're getting that in a series, but what is something maybe aside from Ahsoka? Yeah. Eek day. Show yeah. me more. Yeah. That's, that's going to be, so yeah, setting aside anything involving things that will get offshoots like Boba Fett. And Ahsoka, like that's just uh, we, we will get that. So I'm not, I'm not gonna be chomping at the bit. Like, is that gonna happen? No, it's happening. They've invested the money into it. And it's <laughs> being produced. Um, I am really, really, really curious as to how they're going to handle moving forward with Mandalore and mm -hmm. Mandalorian things. Um, it is. It has been fascinating to watch. Um, this weird kind of opening up of, because in Clone Wars and Rebels, it's very much, you're kind of given the sense that Mandalorians are very much a, everyone Mandalorian. Like it's, you were born on Mandalore, you were a Mandalorian. Um, and so what's been interesting about the Mandalorian show is that 
you've got people who aren't really considered Mandalorian. Like, um, Din is not native, as far as we know, right? Yes. Um, but he is a member of a of the super zealous religious <laughs> cult that doesn't take their helmets off, which was, you know, uh, weird. Um, I'm sure you got the same thing when you watched the, you know, the first season. It's like, I don't remember this being a thing. Right. Why is this a thing? Is this what bit of this history we're missing? Um, so I'm really interested to see how they're going to handle the very uh, reticent. I don't really want to do this thing with you guys. <laughs> uh, part of Din Din Jaren, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, and and how you know will they just kind of hand wave you? Like maybe maybe he had Botan like punch him in the head once and said, "Ouch, you win. <laughs> it's yours now. Goodbye." Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think that they've they've got a really interesting problem to solve with Grogu's now gone. Mm-hmm. Um, Mando is ostensibly on his own um and you know moff gideon while alive um, is but is now presumably a prisoner somewhere um i want to see them not drag it out and that is i I don't think there's a huge i don't think there's going to be an issue with that but i do wonder you know how are they going to handle that in what seems to have been pretty short seasons? Mandalore, mm-hmm. the Darksaber, what the hell happens with Grogu? Because there's no way that they are going to get away with just saying, no, guys, remember we told you he's he's just gone now. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you really expect him to come back? And the answer to that is yes. <laughs> yes, yes, we, we do. do. And the marketing department expects him to come back, too. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, unless it's like uh, Teenage Groot. Um, where it's just, you know, teenage Grogu is just like, whatever, dad, I don't care. <laughs> Little um, indifferent Grogu. I, I want to see the same sort of tight storytelling, and I want to see the episodes packed in such a way that they make sense, because I can easily see where this is going to go, where it could go off the rails really badly. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it will. Um, and I have faith that Filoni and Favreau will, Ooh, we can call them double F. How about that? That's right. Double F. Um, <laughs> we'll figure out the best way to make this, make it all work together. Absolutely. Well, and I think, yeah, go ahead. I just, I, I'm fearful with American TV and I think they've gotten better about it in general, but American TV tends to drag itself out forever and ever and ever. Um, you know, it's part of what made the original office so great when they were done, they were done and they didn't drag it on for nine seasons. <laughs> um, so, and, and I don't think they have that same sort of problem with the Mandalorian at Disney plus, because I think they have a timeline, but you never know. Money can change minds and they say, well, maybe we do need a season four and a five. And it's, I, I just, I'm really, I get concerned that that might happen, and I hope it sure. doesn't. That is my biggest hope. Don't drag it out. Make it don't work. Don't drag it out. Don't don't let it be like Lost, where it goes too long. <laughs> Sorry, I, I swore I wasn't going to bring that up, and then I did it anyhow. But your point is good. Let me get us right back on track. Your point is great, especially about Mandalore. And what we're seeing them set up is 
Ahsoka's great. Ahsoka's getting a series. We got Boba Fett back in the middle of this series, and now Boba Fett's going to have a run of his own stuff. And so you don't have to keep doing the interspersed episodes of plugging that in while you're trying to get to the point of the two things that you talked about and the way then was seemingly raised in this cult, in this, you know, religious zealots, I think is what Bo-Katan called them. The helmet taking off thing early on, like you, when I watched Mandalorian, I was like, what do you mean he can't take his helmet off? We've watched five seasons of rebels where all they do is take their helmets off, talk, put them on, fly away, take it off, talk. Like, of course he can take his helmet off. And then in one line of dialogue on that episode in the second season with Bo-Katan, she's like, Oh yeah, you're one of those. And we're like, there it is. Oh, there it is. As she takes sense. her helmet off. Yeah. As she takes her helmet off to talk and he's like, wait, you're not a real Mandalorian. She's like, no, maybe you're not a real Mandalorian. And then the same thing with the dark saber. Yeah. Sabine gave it to Bo in rebels and said, you're the rightful ruler of Mandalore. And so it begs the question, is that how she lost it? Because she didn't earn it. And the people knew that she knew it was given to her. Her power didn't hold sway. We don't know. We may get that in a flashback or in some, you know, expositional dialogue in this, because what it seems to be is that's where the next eventual season of actual Mandalorian is headed is a retaking of Mandalore, getting back into that and the dark saber being kind of the driving factor in that. And I'll be real interested, interested to see how they handle that because the seasons one and two were all about making you care about the relationship between Den and uh and grogu Mm -hmm. and now that's gone and i think they have a very clever trick to figure out to make because the the crazy thing about mandalorian is that they've managed to drag in not drag in pull in a whole bunch of people who would never ever ever be caught dead watching a star (laughs) wars you know here's here's some money go see a star wars go see a star (laughs) Wars. um who would never admit to enjoying star wars um be full on on board with mandalorian which is about Mm -hmm. as star wars as it gets down to the bolts um and but how do you convince those people who aren't just going to be along for the ride because i'm here for everything to care about mandalore because honestly like that's a whole lot of story. Like it's confusing to watch rebels and like piece together that whole thing. You know, mm-hmm. what all is Mandalore about? Do I really have to go watch clone wars? Okay. I guess I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will be, I'm really interested to know how they're going to make everybody care about right. um, Mandalore outside of you and me and people who mm-hmm. are already bought in. No, I think that's an excellent point. And I think it reminds me of you hear people complain sometimes. I don't want to see a Star Wars that I have to go watch other Star Wars to understand. You know, sometimes people just want, they want the thing they're given. They want Mandalorian and they don't want to have to go figure out who is this Ahsoka person. She can show up and be cool on her own because there are fans of that level too. You know, is this going to mean I have to, I have to have seen the other ones to know. Do I have to do homework? That's right. Do I have what it comes to? Down to? Do I have to? Um, <clears throat> you know, and I think that's the point too. Talking about Mandalorian without Grogu in it, and without him as kind of what has been the driving factor. Ada, you know, what is it? 
15 of the 16 episodes that we've gotten because there was one episode, the episode with the tank when space Boston, Bill Burr comes back and (laughs) there was no Grogu in that episode from top to bottom. And I think on a certain level, that was a test balloon for them to find out what's it going to be like. And that was a fantastic episode and the way they did it. And Bill Burr, who I didn't like in the first season, I really liked that character because of what we got out of him in that second time he came around. Um, and so that had to have been a little bit of a test for them to see, all right, what's an episode like without Grogu in it? Is it going to succeed? Is it going to drag? Is that, you know, they can do both. There's going to have to be some teases, a hologram of him in whatever his next ship is going to be <clears throat> slave one um, with the hologram of Luke or Grogu checking in, or, you know, what is that going to be at some point to connect them up and say, eh, he's still here. He's still around. Or do you just straight up pull him out and, keep going i'll still watch i'm gonna be honest but yeah uh, yeah I, it, it brings I'm, a really interesting question yeah i'm yeah i i don't envy them like i only to the point that like they get to be there and do what they get to do every day but like past that point i don't envy them having to problem solve that <laughs> that's it's, right those are problems i don't want to solve no no absolutely well, um, well, you've navigated the five questions wonderfully. You did a fine job. And um, while I think all of your answers are great and I won't judge you, there's probably plenty of people in the live chat or somewhere else who are like, what is that guy talking about? But that's okay because it's our know. opinion. We get, we get to have it. <laughs> um, it's the trick I pull. I don't usually know either. I don't, I don't usually know either. So, Lila, was it Han says simple tricks and nonsense? Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to talk about for a few minutes, and we're going to wrap up here because I know that we're trying to get you back into your COVID sick bed. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I had to throw it out there for a minute. It's not that bad. Um, we were texting the other day and yes. keep talking like myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was texting with Luke the other day and we were talking about the fact that after finishing Mandalorian, what am I going to do next? And I think we both have ended up in various stages of a, for me, yet another Rebels rewatch. Um, and he had texted me a question about something relating to, wait, didn't this happen? Or wasn't this a thing on Rebels? Or what about these two characters? Um, so what I wanted to do for just a few minutes, because I have said before, and this is kind of the hill that I'm willing to die on, Star Wars Rebels to me is the best of the Disney era Star Wars storytelling. Hands down. I love Mandalorian. I've really enjoyed the sequel trilogy movies, but the storytelling in Rebels to me is fantastic. And it's, you know, what my friend Pete always says, Dave Filoni is really good at giving us Star Wars things that are not about what they're titled about. Rebels is titled as a group of, you know, with, oh, Rebels, we know what Rebels are. But Star Wars Rebels is a Jedi story. It's a story about Kanan and training Ezra and this reconnection with the Force. And I truly, truly, truly love Rebels on a level that's very deep. And every time I watch it or see things in Mandalorian that call back to it, um, it just makes me happy. So what I wanted to do is maybe get, and we won't do all the five questions, but like what are maybe three things as you're rewatching through Rebels that stand out as still a favorite, something else you love, you know, just give me some rebels feedback for a minute. Uh, well, we actually just finished up. (laughs) We finished up right before I got my, uh, positive test, which is great because we watched it. We used the very handy, uh, there's a guide on IO9, um, 
their website, the 50, basically the top 50 episodes of Rebels to watch. Because, like, I, I, I really enjoyed Rebels, but I knew that there was a lot of stuff that was going to be kind of a bit of a slog for mm-hmm. Jackie, who, you know, because it's a lot. 50 episodes is a lot regardless. So we skipped a lot. And the funny thing is that it skipped a lot in the first season. Basically, once All you get to episodes where they're moving crates around, <laughs> but, but like by the time you get to season four, it's like maybe two episodes that they skip. Mm-hmm. That's it, um, mm-hmm. for good reason. So, um, I again calling back to my love of all things with getting into the weeds with the mysticism, with the force, and all of that. The, the first time we got into the world between worlds thing. So like I've already watched Rebels. I watched it on my own a few years ago, mm-hmm. and so I didn't know what to expect, and it, it took a lot to kind of stick with it. <laughs> I'm not sure. going to lie, um, but obviously I got all the way through and then got to that episode and was just like, my mind exploded. I was like, "What is happening? Who allowed this man to do this? Because this is incredible. That whole." This just this idea of like it was Star Wars is so often called science fiction and it's not, it's science fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much high fantasy, it's really, really well done, it's really well fleshed out. And so I stick by that. And it was really nice and really kind of just fantastic for them to really go to lean hard into the fantasy element of like you know just you could call it the nonsense part of like this make this makes no sense but i don't care about it so the fact you know so when he's in the world between worlds and this whole time where the hell is ahsoka like why hasn't she shown up yet and so i know what's coming and jackie's seen this for the first time and so when he walks up to the portal to get Ahsoka, I'm just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> do, you see, do you know what's going to happen? Do you know what's behind the door? Yeah, She's like, no. um, that was just, it was so incredible. And to know that like, maybe, I, I don't know, like that's something that can be revisited later somewhere is kind of sure. like, that's, this is the nice thing to have like in the back pocket. Like I know what that is and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so roll between worlds um the the whole moth moth lord <laughs> the whole moth small story um mm-hmm. and how it is finally wrapped up was so well done and so moving in in a way that like a, a cartoon show shouldn't be right like at all <laughs> you know uh, it's it took a long time to have another moment like that happen in a Star Wars cartoon. Um, you know, fast forward to the last season of Clone Wars, the battle between Ahsoka yes. and Darth Maul, and holy crap! I mean, that was a movie. That was a it's proper so movie. Good. It was so um, good. So the the battle between Maul and Obi Wan was um, a, a, a top top thing to finally get closure on that. Um, and as someone just pointed out, included with that is the next morning mm-hmm. and hearing Aunt Beru 
um, call out to Luke and the twin sons oh, yeah. and everything else. Like it's just, oh god, here come <laughs> the feels. Um, so my last moment would have to be at the very end. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd. I'd I had warned Jackie that there was some weird stuff coming in Rebels, mainly right. in regards to World Between Worlds. Like, like, you know, I told her like this is this is why I really enjoy it. It gets weird, and it gets really out there with how it deals with the Force and the mysticism. What I did not, in any way, shape, or form, warn her about was what happens at the very end of Rebels, when the <laughs> space whales come. Because that is actually so the episode they show up in back in season two, mm-hmm. season one, um, that's included in that list. And I was so glad that they included it because otherwise you'd have no reference point at yeah. all for like, the, where what is going on here. So when at the end of that episode, when like Thrawn is like about to just destroy everything and all of a sudden, like, what is, what are these things? It's like, Hey, did, are you watching? Are you watching to see what's happening? <laughs> um, that was that was so much fun and such a great callback to yet again building into that like weird like you know including with the loath wolves and the loath cats and all these other force sensitive creatures that just kind of exist out there, including giant space whale <laughs> things. Um, they can go to hyperspace. That can go into hyperspace. Um, I I loved all that. Um, I'm sure that there are much more, you know, the, all the holocron stuff was incredible. Um, how those worked and how those got used. Um, anytime Ahsoka showed up, um, Mm -hmm. is fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed the strange moment or that strange, but the kind of throw this in the air question of when Zeb and, um, oh God, what's his name? The went from empire to rebel callus callus when when zeb takes callus home to his parents yep 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 um that was a really nice moment i don't think i caught it the first time mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. definitely caught it this time <laughs> that's um, what we were texting about earlier this week because you texted me about zeb and somebody else and i was like yeah no, i was like you was it, no. i was um maybe yeah, it was yeah, it was seven somebody else. Yeah, it was seven somebody else. And I was like, You mean callous? And you're like, What? And I was like, Oh, hold on. <laughs> You'll see it. You'll get there. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yes. Um, those are all yeah. phenomenal. So much of it. Somebody else put up, um, actually I think it was Framey that put up with, you know, the Jedi Knight episode and Kanan's sacrifice and when he's holding back those flames. And right before, you know, he's kind of consumed and his eyes go clear again. I would just, you know, again, the power and the feels that you get from an animated TV series that, you know, is supposed to not be for 40 year old me. But here I am. All right. So apparently my wife is also watching. I um, bought a good point. Bindu. Bindu was, (laughs) I mean, you can't, it's because there's so much else. Because it's not just that it's Bindu and like that whole like thing is just like what is this? It's amazing, but also the fact that it's voiced by Tom Baker, yes, um, who was who was my doctor, <laughs> um, was, was the doctor that I knew growing up, um, mm-hmm. 
and like I recognized the voice. And then when she pointed out, it was like immediately all all the cadences like snapped into place. Like, yep, absolutely, Tom Baker um, was such a nice, just random. Um, someone knew what they were doing in casting. Right. Well, and yeah. as you were talking about the Pergill, the hyperspace whales a moment ago, I had a thought that I've never had before until just this moment. But I wonder if we could ever get somebody to confess that the Star Wars Rebels hyperspace whales are a nod to Star Trek for the voyage home. <laughs> somebody was like, somebody was like, hey, watch what I'm going to do. It could be a thing. I don't know. We're going to put whales. People love right. space whales. Space there was a. Space whales. There was a there was a Doctor Who episode. I think it was a Christmas episode, or maybe just a regular episode, involving them on a space whale. <laughs> People just tend to love space whales, which whale, whales are like the space whales of the ocean. Wait, that's not a good thought, but <laughs> that's it. Stick yeah, with that one. That may mean it's time for us to get out of here. Um, uh, well, <laughs> perhaps. Well, I love. Um, I love all those things. And that just listening to you talk about those scenes, I'm like, Oh, yep. I need to watch that episode of rebels again. I need, you know, it just brings up those favorites and those hits. Uh, let me ask you this question to kind of wrap us up. We got the, uh, we, everybody got the investor call that Disney had several, several weeks ago, maybe right before Christmas. And we got mm -hmm. this huge slate of all the things that are coming down the pipe. Ahsoka, the, um, the movie, the, Star Wars fighter pilot. I can't think of the name of it. Space Top Gun. Um, it's Rogue, uh, Rogue Squadron. Yes, Rogue Squadrons. All, all these different, all of that stuff. What are you most excited about out of all the things that they kind of, I mean, obviously you're excited for Star Wars. I know that. But if you could pick one, what's the one you're picking? Is it Ahsoka? Is it the Obi-Wan series? You know, that's one we haven't really even touched on. I don't but, know. Like, it's impossible to know at this point. Like, I... I am in for Patty Jenkins um, doing Rogue Squadron um, because I, I love Wonder Woman, um, love Wonder Woman 84. Mm -hmm. I, I love the way that she's directed action. And I believe that she is going to put all that she has into making that movie incredible. And also yeah. just it's Rogue Squadron. Um, but do you, so, I mean, I just, I don't even know what like, uh, fine. Here's one from left field. Bad batch, or bad batch, yes. bad batch, bad batch, bad batch. Um, I'm really excited about that. I'm very excited to have another cartoon to come come along, and um, that crew. I want to spend more time with them mm -hmm. and enjoy their story because they just are insane. And they are insane. Like, it's space A team. Well, and and like everything else, you're gonna think it's gonna be one thing. It's going to wind up going somewhere else. And I'm Absolutely. real curious where it wind up going. Absolutely. Somebody um, on another show recently posited the idea of what if the Bad Batch were the ones that got Grogu out of the Jedi Temple during Order 66? What if that somehow played into all of that? Huh. It's just like <laughs> so it's like three men and a baby, but more. That's right. Four four men, four crazy men and a baby. Yeah, four crazy men and a baby. Yep. Um, that's, yeah, an, that, that's an excellent one. Yep. Yeah. That is an excellent one. You know, if for me, again, the obvious things are Ahsoka. The obvious things are Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I can't wait to see you and McGregor 
back as Obi-Wan that just, because he loves it. It's fun. He wants to do it. Those things always make it that much better. You know, as much as Rosario Dawson wanted to be Ahsoka, she had kind of been campaigning for that a couple of years ago. You know, it just adds something else to one of those things. I will say the one that really didn't get talked about that much. Um, I really want to see what Taika Waititi is going to do with the star Wars movie. Um, maybe give him world between worlds, maybe give him something a little more ethereal and out there because he likes to play and it doesn't have to, I mean, Ragnarok is the best MCU movie. I won't argue that with anyone. It just is. Um, and he does humor and he does funny, but like, I think he could do something really neat with weird or deeper night sisters or, you know, something else, you know, along those lines i just i can't wait to see what that's going to be i'll be curious and it's it's as good a time as any since we're all basically still locked down to dig into his back catalog we watched uh, mm -hmm. hunt for the wilder people about a month or so ago and it's really really good and it's not just straight up 100 percent comedy um like you imagine from taika um sure. it's it's very funny and very well done but it's not like you know two hours of um well it's not like thor ragnarok you know ragnarok mm -hmm. is basically funny from start to finish and like a ride right. from start to finish um so you know check out hunt for the wilder people if you haven't shame on you but check out what we do in the shadows the movie yes the show i hear is is hilarious i have not watched it yet but the movie is definitively amazing um absolutely well, you heard it, people. Those of you that are watching in the live chat, those of you that are going to catch this in the podcast feed, hopefully in the next couple of days, recommendations from Luke Lucas, some quarantine viewing just for you. Dig into Tyka's back catalog. Tyka's back catalog. Luke, I can't thank you enough for being willing to hang out and do this tonight yeah. and chat. Uh, we've got great folks in the live chat. I know I retweeted you in the tweets that I put out on our Twitter feed, but if anybody wants to follow you or engage on Twitter, where can they find you? They can find me at, at Luke Lucas, L-U-K-E-L-U-C-A-S. I am, um, you can follow along my COVID journey right now. It's, it's <laughs> That's fascinating. right. Well, and like I said, I, Luke is a go-to for me, especially when it comes to music things. And there's always good, you know, music recommendations, playlists, things that he puts up from time to time. So definitely a good follow. Definitely a good dude to interact with. Like I said, I can't thank you enough for doing okay. this. To all of our friends in the live chat. Thank y'all for joining us. If you get a chance when you get done, like this, like the video, leave us a comment. Um, we're just getting started doing this, live shows. Is this the where we do like, like and subscribe? Right here. <laughs> That's right, like and subscribe somewhere. See, I'm not click the bell. Click the bell here. Share us with your friends. Like I said, this is the first live show we've done. I had a great time. I hope we get to do more of these. I hope this kind of becomes our regular way to go. Uh, I love interacting with our friends in the chat and I can't wait to see more people join us later. So for the good of the order and until we're all together again next time, may the force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> <laughs>